All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Uh, featuring Foster Hewitt and uh, Bob Cole. He's a man Foster of Hewitt many and Bob talents. Cole. Yeah. Man. Some clips. Dude, this guy's a legend. You got yeah. to, first of all, play in a punk band. Yeah. Most importantly, drive a Zamboni. Get out. Yeah. Get out yeah. of here. Living he, the dream. He cleaned the ice for Sam Gagne. Sure Unbelievable. Did. One more time. Who was it? Lion Sereptep. I like it. A little punk rock to start things off, Chris. As always... Episode 25 of Oilers Nation Radio is brought to you by our friends at Sherwood Forward the Giant. Follow them on Twitter at Sherwood Forward. Follow them on Instagram at Sherwood Forward underscore the Giant. I want to start off by giving a massive shout out to the to the fine folks at Sherwood Forward for what they pulled off this week. Uh, Chris, if you want to run us through it. Yeah, so uh, I think most people know that on Tuesday... Um, a family of four came out from Saskatchewan. I don't know what town it was in Saskatchewan. Do you guys know? Five hours away. That's it was five, five hours, hours away. away. Anyways, uh, one of the kids, Reed and Charlie were their names, uh, brought a sign that says, I drove five hours to see my hero, Connor McDavid. And as we all know, uh, right before the game, it, on Tuesday night, Connor McDavid uh, was sat out due to an illness. Uh, so... Obviously, the family drove out here five hours, didn't see uh, McDavid play. So our friends at Sherwood Ford uh, sent a tweet out the next day um, 
asking Twitter for help uh, to track down this family because they wanted to make an offer to them. Uh, sure enough, the power of the internet uh, pulled through. Sure Ford contacted the family, uh, brought them out to the dealership. They hooked them up with a couple hotel nights in Edmonton and tickets to last night's game uh, where the kids and the family were able to see Connor McDavid play. How amazing is that? One it's thing pretty I, incredible. I have to say is I have to praise the Oilers for not forfeiting the game when it was announced McDavid was injured. Or he was sick, sorry. Because I was at the Coyotes game and I walked in and they announced he wasn't in the lineup and people were just sitting in their seats like groaning and people were holding hands <laughs> and it was kind of like a big prayer circle around the ice. There's really no worse news to hear before no. a hockey game. That is a devastating news when you're in your vehicle and you stopped at a red light and you're driving there and you're like, all right, hockey game time. And then you see a, a push notification on your cell phone saying Connor McDavid illness will be out of the lineup and you're like. I had a pregame nap before doing the tweets for that. So I signed in five minutes after seven and oh boy, was I disappointed. I think but, you guys are, oh sorry, go ahead, Dad. No, I was just going to say that that, that it, like, it's really cool to work with a group like Sherwood Ford where they can just use their, use their power and their reach to, uh, to do some good and uh, make sure some kids get to see Connor McDavid. Oh yeah, it's, we all know Sherwood Ford, they have a lot of charitable initiatives, but like for them to pull this off is amazing. And just seeing the, seeing the reaction from the online community, it's awesome. So the night before they sent out the tweet, they DM me, they slid into me DMs and they said, this is the idea we have. Do you think it's good? And I said, boys, if you can pull this off, you're going to look great and you're going to make a kid's day and he's going to have a night that he's never going to forget. And to see them pull it off, the response from the community to it, fantastic. Big props to our friends at Sherwood Ford, the giant out in Sherwood Park. They are good people, fine vehicles. And... They're the only ones that can help me fulfill my dream driving around in a 1987 Ford Escort GT. With a convoy, with us, all of us. Of course. It's not just about you getting that vehicle. It's about us all having custom ones with cool colors. There's seven of them. We all have different designs. It's a real cool thing. That's the dream. That is the dream. That's the content. That is the advertising that Sherwood Ford deserves because they do such amazing things like they did this week. So last night... They did get that youngster tickets to the hockey game, a game that the Oilers won, and we are going to get to that. That was the first win at Rexall or whew, Rexall at Rogers Place in I think six games. Off the top of my head, I think it's six games. But first, boys, I want to start with some weird slash shenanigans slash what the fuck slash holy shit. Jesse Pooley news that came out today just before we started recording this podcast is super weird. Uh, as we know, he's been on the IR for the last little while with what nobody knew. And then today things got escalated cam things got to a point where now people are saying he may need surgery. It could be on a knee and both Pooley RV and his agent have requested a second opinion from the team doctor. So that's going to happen at some point in the U S next week with one of the NHL's guys. Cam, what do you make of this? This is fishy. This is fishy because um, well, it, it all kind of happened last weekend after Pugliarvi's agent came out and made those comments about it seems inevitable that him and the, the organization and his client Pugliarvi are going to have a like a divorce that the, it's just not working out. And then it, it really seems like Pugliarvi's camp is resisting going down to the AHL. And what this second opinion does is it pushes him past the AHL deadline where he now can't go down. A little bit of context, Cam. What are you talking about? So he's on the IR right now, they at least placed him on the IR. Remember, it kind of came out of nowhere last weekend where all of a sudden on the team 
website roster. He had the star beside him. He's in the IR. Nobody had heard anything about it, but suddenly it's on the IR. But when you're on the IR, you cannot get sent down. And he can't be, now that he's requested a second opinion from the NHLPA, which players have the right to get, he remains on the IR until he gets that second opinion. And the Oilers can't send him to the AHL while he's on the IR. And the AHL and NHL have this rule where you can't just, you know, stack your AHL team the day before the AHL playoffs. Obviously, it makes sense. So Pugliarvi is going to be on the IR past this deadline. He now cannot play for the Bakersfield Condors again this season. Happy days are here again, Chris. I'm just saying that if uh, uh, the Oilers management would have sent Pugliarvi down about a month ago, we wouldn't be in this position. Pugliarvi probably wouldn't even be injured. I mean, that's a stretch, but hey, serious. I think we're blowing things out of proportion here, guys. Uh, I'm going to be the optimistic one here and say, you know what? I honestly do believe he is injured. Um, I think we're making the internet and Twitter. They like to take something small and turn it into something huge. And yeah, it is a little bit weird. That's right around the same time as them not wanting to go down. But I don't think it really has that much to do with it. I honestly believe he is. He is hurt. He is going for a legit second opinion. And a lot of players do this. A lot of players go and and have that second opinion taken a look at. I'm not going to sit here and say, I'm not going to come up with a conspiracy theory of, of, you know, they were trying to push his back so he doesn't go down. He would have went down. He wouldn't have not been happy about it. He would have got over it when he's down there and scored a couple goals in the first game. He would have been fine. This is a legit injury. It's a legit situation. And I don't think it is. I think Twitter's making it to be a lot more than it actually is. If I could take Twitter's side on this defense or in this defense, um, I agree with you on its face when it comes to any of the 31 NHL or 30 other NHL teams. But this is a team in the Oilers that has a history of just railroading young men in their careers. And uh, yeah, this is definitely a unique one. You're right. You're right, Rick. It is a it is a different uh, process, but this is I think that's where the skepticism is bore from. We have to. We we also have to admit that like it it it's very clear that Pugliarvi's camp, both him and his agent, do not want him playing in the AHL. But they don't really have any options involved in this. And this was their their option. Yeah, but if this was the option, I think the Oilers would be made. If they if they were doing this to prevent being put down, I think the Oilers would be upset and they'd be making a, a big stink about it. Or they would have taken him off IR before they had a chance to say, "Hey, we want the second opinion." They're also talking about uh, Pugliarvi potentially needing surgery. Like you don't just pull that out of nowhere. No, exactly. Like he's, exactly. He's definitely got a real injury. He's not making it up. Yeah. But I think going for the second. <laughs> I don't opinion, know where. I think like no. The, the the thing is, what the camp is doing is they're using this second opinion thing to capitalize on okay. stopping the Oilers from allowing him to go down to the AHL because he does not want to be in the. I AHL. thought you guys were alluding I think, to him I think faking it. What I think it is is his his <laughs> agent is actively trying to maximize all the money they can from the final year of his entry level deal. Like we don't know what he's going to get paid next year, but he could have schedule a bonuses that are based exclusively on games played because, you know, Peter Chiarelli is the one that made that contract. So we don't know. It could be he gets like he could fulfill all of his bonuses with games played and they want to max out the money. And if he's in the AHL making, you know, 70 grand a year, then his agents losing a lot of cash in the final year of his deal. I just love the idea. Like some people are floating it. I'm just looking at tweets while you guys are talking. Just the theories that he's faking the injury. And that I just love the idea that he's so unhappy with what's going on that he would fake an injury and go through getting surgery just to prevent himself from going to the (laughs) NHL. Like if that's the case, then man, 
you are a stone cold killer, my friend, because if you were just be like, you know what? Fine. I'm not going to the HL. I'll show you. I'm going to cut open my knee just to show you guys. I, it doesn't make sense. I just feel like it's one of those injuries where if the Oilers had a playoff run, if the Oilers had a playoff run, uh, shut your would, damn mouth. It damn. would come out. It would come out after they got eliminated. Uh, that you know Jesse was playing through a fractured knee bone. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's, it's just and like it's it always is. Bone. It's something that it's something that's maybe not necessarily something they have to act on this moment. But why not? And maybe the Oilers want are exaggerating the injury thing. They're saying he has to get surgery because then when they go and try and do a trade at the draft, they're like, okay, our top prospect here sucked all kinds of ass in 2018-19 because he was injured. But and does, now he's healthy and you should give up what we gave up to acquire Griffin Reinhardt for him. Or maybe this next GM, next coach combination is just the actual pair that treats him properly and they mend the bridge. It could happen. That is wishful thinking. I, These I'm are the Edmonton Oilers we cheer for. Hey, hey. Don't ruin this for me. It's all I've got is my delusional thinking. Anyway, Gregor just tweeted about the line of thinking where people think he's faking an injury. I thought it was kind of funny, so I'm going to read it out. So Gregor says, this thinking is asinine. Here are some facts. He is injured. He wants a second opinion, which many players get because surgery is a big deal. He's not faking. I suspect he will get surgery and be done for the season. Worst thing to do is try to make it more than it is. He's hurt. He's not faking it. So question for you guys. (laughs) Does this ruin any plans if the Oilers had uh, plans to move him at the deadline? Yeah, of course. I mean, you can't trade a guy that's on the IR. He, you can? Yeah. Oh. You can, but I mean, he won't be useful to anybody. If you yeah, I mean, like, no one's trading him for their... Anybody who's acquiring him anyway, it's a long-term thing. True. Like, if the Oilers trade Pugliarvi, it's I would imagine it's going to come at the draft. They're not using Pugliarvi to get in the playoffs or anything, or make a playoff push. No. I don't think he's a he's an addition for a team going on a playoff run right now. And then it just begs the question: Why would they deal him anyways? And if then just, if you're not helping anybody right now, if they deal him at the draft, I got to ask you guys a hypothetical question right now. So in 2015, you probably remember, you might have forgotten. I don't know. The Oilers dealt the number 16 and number 33 overall picks oh, for, for Griffin Reinhardt. For who? Griffin Never Reinhardt. Remember, remember that guy? Never heard of him. So this was Griffin Ryan Reinhardt, Spooner's cousin, I think. Reinhardt was selected fourth overall by the Islanders in 2012 so this is three years after drafting a fourth overall pick the islanders netted the 16th and 33rd overall pick if the oilers deal pool yarby it'll be three years after he was picked fourth overall in 2016 2019 draft will they get as good or anywhere near as good of a return as the islanders got for griffin reinhardt is anybody going to hire peter trelli this summer if somebody makes peter trelli their gm <laughs> the oilers can go and try and pull the trigger on a trade there uh, i th- i think Maybe this is just me biased thinking, but he it's we're deserving of a first and a third for Pliari. I mean, maybe, but this, again, this is like Cam said earlier, ruining my positive thinking that this is the Edmonton Oilers that we're talking about, so we'll I probably know. get fucking Zach Pochi row again. But it's a Peter Trellialis Edmonton Oilers. We gotta see who comes in next, my friend. We have hey, to see Ke- who comes Keith in next. Keith Gretzky thus far has a pretty good track record. I think he's won both the trades he's made. And let's pivot to that, Cam, because I need a little positivity in my life right now. This Pooley nonsense is bumming me out. So I want to talk about the return of the one, the only. Number 89, Sam Gagne, is back with the Edmonton Oilers. He scored last night. Dan, you were at the game. I want to ask you, what was the reaction like when he made it 2-0? That was, for a, for a game that in the grand scheme of things doesn't mean a whole lot, that was some of the best emotion I've heard out of Roger's place in the three years that I've been going to games there. I just, it was, it was just, and you know what? Maybe it was just a genius PR move by the Oilers to bring him in more than anything. But 
there's just a there's a certain buzz around him being back on the team. Well, and I think that the, he kind of checked off a few boxes. First, first and foremost, he got rid of Ryan Spooner, which he wasn't part of the plans. He wasn't going to play with the Oilers. He was down with the Condors. He wasn't doing anything with the NHL team. Second, they keep talking about bringing in character guys. Well, Sam Gagne has plenty of it on Inside the Nation on Tuesday. Dusty's had a weird week. He's announcing down in Red Deer. He's announcing some sports. So whenever the first episode of Inside the Nation was this week, he was talking about how Sam Gagne and his first tour of duty with the Oilers was was one of the guys who, no matter how poorly things went, he would always stand up, speak for the team, answer answer as honestly as he could, and take ownership of anything that happens. And that's the kind of guy that the Oilers need, and that's the kind of guy they want. Now, if you also add in the fact that it's the third game played last night with the Oilers, he scores a big goal. Shooting from everywhere. I don't remember Samwise shooting that much in his first tour of duty at all. But I think that considering the money's a wash, how could that not be a win for the Oilers? How could this not be a win for Gretzky? I know I saw some Canucks fans on Twitter being like, yeah, we got Spooner. And I was like, well, I remember thinking, I, I remember thinking, I was like, wow, we got Spooner when we traded Ryan Strom. And then I actually watched him play and I was like, oh, fuck, we got made Spooner. You a, made you a much bigger Ryan Strom fan. But for the Canucks fans, they were, they had a guy in Gagne that they just, they didn't have anymore. So they, they view it as a plus. I get that, but they're going to have to watch him play. We turned to Toronto Marley's legend, Sam Gagne into Ryan Spooner. Yeah. So who cares what they think? We took a $3.1 million AHL player and turned him into a $3.1 million NHL player. player. At the end of the day, we get a, we get a player making the same. You're going to pay a guy 3.1. He might as well be on the team. I think Sam brings a lot more to the team than Spooner ever, uh, ever did. Sam's been here before he's been, he can sit there and talk to all the young kids because he was one of these young kids with all this, pressure of trying to bring the uh bring the team out of the out of the ashes into the into prosperity so he's been there he can exp- he can help guide everyone through keep everyone's head on their shoulders and he still has a little bit left in him to add on the add on this team we definitely need a player like him a veteran uh, a guy who has a little bit of scoring in him. He's got a little bit of playmaking. He's not the fastest guy in the world anymore. He'll be a decent top, bottom six guy for the, you know the remainder of his contract. There's a lot he can help with that Spooner would never be able to. So at the end of the day, Gretzky made a, a decent move here. It's not a huge one, but yeah, if, yeah, it's fine. If you can put the concept aside of Jordan Ebley turning into <laughs> Spooner eventually and then now Ganya. Like it's it's a great trade, and uh, I'm I, I I'm glad that it worked <laughs> out for the Canucks that they uh, that Gagne wasn't working out for them. But like you said, Big Milk checks off checks off all the boxes. The fans are happy. The dressing room is happy. He's a character guy, uh, and right now he's scoring goals. Scoring goal. First part of the po- uh, podcast, as always, brought to you by our friends at Sherwood Ford, the Giant. Go ahead and follow them on Twitter at Sherwood Ford and on Instagram at Sherwood Ford underscore the Giant. I follow them on Instagram. They post a lot of cool vehicles on there. And I might go out and have a test drive one day. Chris, could you imagine me cruising in a Mustang? Yeah, you could. Sure. Yeah, you could. Let my hair blow in the wind. It'd be nice. Whatever. That'd, be a, that'd be a game changer because for years, Bagged Milk has been coming to work. He, he just has someone push him in on a wheelbarrow. And I think it would be a lot easier for whoever the person he pays to push him on a wheelbarrow all the way to our office if he had a vehicle. Make Listen, so they told me they wanted to get more exercise. They told me they wanted to work on their legs and their arms at the same time. Rolling me in at a wheelbarrow solves both problems. I'm doing my part to be a better person. Now, 
going back to Sam Gagne for a second, we started talking about Pooley Arvey, and isn't he the kind of guy to you that it would make sense for the Oilers to be like, hey, Jesse, let bygones be bygones. Let's forget about how things started. There's a new GM here. There's another new coach here. We think you should live with Sam. We think you should live with a veteran player who's been everywhere, who's done everything. He was rushed to the NHL. He's spent a lot of time in the AHL this year. He's pretty much seen it all. Wouldn't that be a benefit? Like, no, he's not finished. It doesn't check off that last box, but maybe it helps him learn English a little better. Don't you think, Dan? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's Sam's Sam checks all the right boxes right now for this team that hasn't really had a, uh, a behind the scenes leader since Matt Hendricks. And I think it's just, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a valuable thing to have on your team. A guy that's seen it all been through it all. Hasn't faked any injuries like Jesse apparently is right now, but uh, you know, maybe they can get him to, I'm just sorry. That's allegedly according to Twitter. <laughs> just hot that was a joke. In your that was opinion. a joke. Uh, that uh, yeah, I think he's, I think he's a great guy to have on the team and, and to be able to help out a guy like Jesse. The others pulled off another trade last weekend. It was the one that we all saw coming. We all knew it was happening. Cam Talbot got traded to the Philadelphia Flyers for Anthony Stolars. I was sad to see him go. Talbot was one of those guys in the community that everybody liked. He lived here year round. He was a stand-up human being. He didn't have a great run the last two years, though I would argue that the defense and team in front of him were shit as well, which contributed to things. But that's a Peter Shirelli problem. Thanks, Pete. I'm glad you're enjoying those paychecks every two weeks. I want to ask you guys your opinion on the Talbot for Stolar's trade. And I also wanted to bring up something I brought up on real life on Monday is how during the broadcast immediately after he was traded last Saturday or Sunday against the Islanders, whenever that game was where they talked about Talbot leaving the hotel and thanking everyone in management for letting him be an Edmonton Oiler and telling them that he thought he was going to retire as an Oiler and how it upset him that it didn't work out. Chris, I'm going to start with you. You are a big, you were a big Talbot guy since uh, he got here. What are your thoughts? That breaks my heart. I honestly didn't think that those were his opinions. I, if I was Cam Talbot, I personally would want out. And I was shocked and even more heartbroken to find out that he thought he wanted to retire here. Um, so on a personal level, I hate the trade. It's awful to see Talbot go. Um, on a business level, I think the trade's fantastic. Uh, well, you know what? So this is my thinking. I thought Talbot was going to, wanted to be traded like he wanted to walk so i just assumed he was going to walk this summer um so bringing in stolars was a great move but if he wanted to stay who knows what who knows what next year's contract would have looked like if he wanted to stay that that badly it would definitely have to be a bit of a raise i don't see a guy like that going into ufa season it's going to take a uh a cut on his on his last salary so you're gonna have to give him a raise um at the end of the, i still would have taken talbot over koskinen if i was uh, in charge i would have been putting my eggs in in that basket uh the trade itself the fact we got a seven hundred fifty thousand dollar cap hit instead of three point whatever what was uh, expected i think keith uh, made a great move there opens up a lot more space um i honestly don't know if we'll see much of Stolarz in an Oiler jersey this uh, rest of the year. I know a lot of people say we, we want to see what we have in them, though. But at the end of the day, we need to see what we have in our starter, who's got the three times 4.5. So I mean, that's more important to know what we have in Koskinen than it, than it is to know what we have in Stolarz. So I expect I still expect Koskinen to get the majority, like the heavy majority of all the games, so we can figure that out. Um, yeah, hey, Cam, I 
hope you have a great career. Thank you. Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, hopefully, you talking, you're talking to me, right? Yeah, exactly. You're hoping that I have a great career. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hopefully, you know, things work out in Philly this year and uh, wherever it ends up next year. Uh, he's going to have a lot of uh, fans from, from this city, but... Yeah, no, it was uh, in- inevitable just because of the way the organization handled the goaltending situation this year. But yeah, we uh, made the best of we can, and yeah, it's time to move on. So with Stolarz, the Oilers acquired um, a guy who could become a UFA so long as the Oilers don't get him into at least 10 games the rest of the year. So the Oilers have 30 games left. Stolarz has to appear in 10 games, and an appearance for a goalie means 30 minutes or more. So the Oilers, what they could do if they really want to ride Koskinen is they can do the novice style half and half switch. Oh, I like that. Koskinen, maybe Stoller starts the game and the Oilers play kind of a trap and Stoller gets 30 minutes in. They come and they switch. They do the high five. Crowd goes nuts. Koskinen's a net for the end of the game. They go, they go ham. Imagine if both of them just play great that way and they become <laughs> the best goalie tandem in the league. And we just like, we make the playoffs and we just ride the system. Just, keep doing it. just creates a new model of goaltending yeah. for the entire league that you now sub out your goalie at the 30 minute it's mark. It's like baseball. You yeah, man. starter, you come in. That's like the thing. Toss, you, you need to get those five good innings and then you hand it off to the bullpen. You got, you got four guys. It's nine innings right there. And I would keep goals. it with that thought similar to having a bullpen i would have kind of a practice rink maybe behind the dressing room i don't know that the the second half goalie can play in the first half just with yeah. a couple players practice some two-on-ones get in the game speed because then you gotta, when he's coming in for the second half yeah if you got guys on your bench like josh curry who are playing 45 seconds a game maybe you can keep him warm <laughs> by having him out in the little practice rink because they have that that rink right right next to it what's the it community the arena. community community arena the, they can that'll be amazing they can have their taxi squad out there and they can have um you know, Poole Yarby, who's never playing, he can be out there taking some shots. Do you guys remember when the Oilers tried to revolutionize the goaltending the last time? Yeah, and they had Mike Morrison exclusively <laughs> for shootouts. Like, don't put it past the Oilers. Oh, they yeah. could do this. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not that unrealistic. I'm on board with it. I think it's a great idea. I also think it's a great idea. I would love to see it. I think that we are changing the way hockey is going to look in the future. You guys can talk about putting chips and pucks all you want. Here at Oilers Nation Radio, we are talking about splitting the goalies. Keeps them fresh for the playoffs. Keeps and it, them in the game. It keeps your opponent guessing too. Oh, you never know who's you never know who's starting, who's finishing. Mm-hmm. I like it. Like Cam said, it's baseball. It's baseball, baby. It's fucking Moneyball in Edmonton, man. We're gonna we're gonna lead the the Renaissance with the wild tactics. Another thing I want to bring up this week, gentlemen, was the return of Andre Sakera. He made his return to the lineup after missing the entire season with a blown out Achilles. Last year, everybody knows he banged up his ACL. He, needless to say, Danny's had a rough couple of years, and it's I've personally I'm happy to see him back. It's been wild to see the difference he makes on the ice, even though he's probably playing at like 80, 85, 90 percent. Who knows where he's actually at with his robot legs? The thing that I've noticed first off is how he's making those first passes, the outlet passes, the long passes that not many people on the Oilers back end can execute right now. Um, I just kind of wanted to get everybody's thoughts on their first impressions of Sakara after missing the whole year, Dan. I think uh, it's impressive how fast he's picked it up again uh, for having missed basically two years of, of professional hockey. Um, and he only had five games in the AHL and he's good to go. That's that's a huge credit to him and, and how good of a professional he is. I still, myself, I find myself wincing every time he takes a bit of physical contact because I'm afraid that his knees are just going to pop out from underneath him and and we're back to square one but uh but yeah if he can stay healthy and 
and even play like you said at at 75 80%, he's better than than two-thirds of our defensive uh, NHL lineup right now. I really wonder how he hurt his Achilles. Uh, it's not really an injury you see a lot in hockey. Um, unless you get like the weird skate falling on the back of your foot there where you, those ones like Carlson a couple years ago. I'm trying to like your, your foot doesn't really get planted too much in the ice. So I think it's a freak accident and it's really not going to happen again while he's got skates on and he's on the ice. So that I wasn't really too worried about him bouncing back from that as long as he was at 100%, as long as the Achilles was at 100%. He's now had two years to recoup from his knee. Um, I honestly expected him to take all of last year off and then hopefully be ready to go by this training camp at a, at a healthy knee. I know last year he had that brace on, so that really uh, held back his mobility while he was trying to play. Uh, but yeah, he's had a full he's had a full year since the knee injury, since almost 100% of the knee injury. So yeah, no, I'm not horribly surprised by what he's like on the ice. He that's what he was before. I I always said before that if we get 85% of what he was before the initial injury, that I was going to be happy. And I think he's actually going to uh, surpass that. And now we get the uh, the advantage of seeing what he can do with the puck. He's definitely the most um, cerebral passer from the back end for us. Like I know Clefbaum's really good, but Sekera is just a little bit better. And then after that, it kind of drops off the cliff. Darnell's okay, but his best his best option is to skate the puck out and then make an easier pass. Whereas Sekera can put a tape to tape tape to tape pass in a lot of different situations under pressure. And so that's really gonna help next year when you start bringing up younger guys. He's a guy that he's going to finish out his contract here. So that gives us two more years. As long as he stays healthy, I think it's going to be really, really beneficial to the young kids coming up. I think two of the hardest parts about returning back to the game after being away for such a long time is obviously adjusting to the speed, but obviously just getting back on the rhythm where you're patient and not rushing things outside or out there on the ice. Uh, and I think he's he's looked really good on that sense just being patient with the puck and not forcing plays forcing passes um and he's being smart with it admittedly i thought he was going to come back and crash and burn but he's he's looked really well so far in the two games he's played andre sakara is averaging 16 29 for the oilers he's playing he's had a couple of different line mates so far or pairing mates, I should say. Uh, Hitchcock has been whipping that blender around like no one's business. Uh, again, he, he's working OT at Margaritaville, spinning that blender o- over time. I, th- I just think it's funny. I was talking to a friend of the nation, Reed Wilkins, the other day, and we were kind of chuckling about how people used to say that Todd McClellan changed the lines so much and how Todd, if he only just stopped blending the lines, that things would be better. There'd be more continuity. And then we see what Hitchcock's doing right now where there's guys that get two, three shifts together and then they already moved on. And it's annoying because the players have, we know that the players have addressed that with Hitchcock saying that they don't want the blender out and he's still doing it. Well, what if, what if they got rid of Todd McClellan, but they didn't get rid of the McBlender? And maybe that's the issue. The big blender, blender, blender is necessary because we have three top six forwards. And after that, the rest, most of the guys could be in the AHL. Every coach out there would be doing the exact same thing. Well, it, honestly, it, there's, you don't have enough players to, to, to keep on the same line. Actually, because, sorry. Okay. I have a, I have an interesting idea that I think really goes along with the two goalie split thing. Forget forwards, forget defensemen, have the next five guys on the bench just go out. 
just whoever it is. Yeah, who, like fuck that's it. like we're going back pre novice. And style. sometimes a guy is tired and they're like, I'm gonna you can go ahead of yeah, me. You just go in the back. Some, the maybe bench, someone's yeah. really feeling it, and they're like, "I'm jumping back to the front of the line." And everyone on the team's like, "You know what? I'm I'm in." Like this I'm, is like you guys at the uh, pond hockey tournament last year. Yeah, exactly. Because we had next uh, man up. We had exactly because we had Mandrick there, and he was gassed ten seconds into the game. We were so all we were hung like, over as <laughs> shit. You guys were <laughs> smashed, and it was good. It worked well yeah. for us. We were a really good team. Yeah, we, that's why we, we won we the whole win. tournament. We, uh, that's why we won all those games. We right? absolutely <laughs> dummied Aaron Volpatti's team in the final. <laughs> Just just torched them. We were throwing saucer passes all over the place, winning the game. But just do the next five guys. I kind of like this rewrite of history. It's good. Yeah, like, don't don't look at any of our social from that weekend. <laughs> yeah. Don't look at any of the stuff we post about how we did, because we won the tournament. We have a trophy somewhere, but we, we forgot it and lost it. We're humble. We're too humble. Yeah, we would never present a trophy that we won ourselves for something like that. I want to go ahead and start the second half of the podcast by thanking our friends at Get Sauced. They are the folks that will improve the way your food tastes. From rimmers to sauces, you name it, they've got it. You need it in your fridge and in your pantry. Go to GetSauce.com, check out their wares, and, and your mouth feelings will thank you for it. Give them a call, 780-462-2418. Since you guys were talking about the line combinations, I felt the need to bring up the way Dusty described last night's forward lines in his article this morning on Oilers Nation. Because when I set, I was setting this up for him last night, man, I was howling laughing. So on the first line last night, he had on the left wing, cleared waivers 2019. Centerman, first overall pick. Right winger, cleared waivers 2015. Second line, left wing, third overall pick. Center, first overall pick. Right side, PTO signing. Now, here's where it gets a lot funnier, at least in my opinion. And by funny, you can use your own adjective here. It could be sad, devastating, heartbreaking, soul-sucking, whatever you want. Well, just lie to yourself. If it makes you feel better, lie to yourself. So in the third line, we had on the left wing, zero goals, waiver claim 2018, 43 games in the AHL. Fourth line, we had $6 bucks, 34-year-old free agent, second NHL game. There's so much sadness there that I actually can't piece <laughs> together all of the things. Like, it just, but like just reading them, though, the thing that I found interesting is that just reading them slash hearing them, whatever you got, you know who he's talking about. Yeah. I think the only one that I have a qualm with is calling Kazian cleared waivers 2015 because to be fair, he was a first round pick who played <laughs> at like the World Juniors. And I mean, him clearing waivers was related to something else kind of. So that's, that's the only that's one I have a qualm with. But this is correct. Dusty hit it, hit it out of the park with this one. The Oilers roster is bad. We should do that one for all the NHL teams so that we can just see where. Uh, look where at the Jets, man. Up. It's like literally all like internally developed yeah. players. And that's that's kind of the thing. You look at the Winnipeg Jets and you think, OK, if the Oilers had just kept like Steve Tambellini as their GM and he sat on his hands like he did his entire time here. That's pretty much what the Oilers would be like an entirely internally drafted and developed team of like good players. We've talked about this before, but like, would they have been, be- they would have been better off doing nothing. Like I remember, what 100%. was it? Probably three years ago when people were calling for Shevel Day off to be fired because he didn't really do anything. And he was like, be patient, be patient. We got to let guys come up, blah, blah, blah. And now look at the Jets. 
Yeah. Now they have enough prospect capital that it's they can throw away their first la- last year for Stasny at the deadline, which they did this year. They could throw away a first in the prospect for Mark Stone if they want to. They have so many prospects. Yeah. And so instead many- of being in cap hell with players that shouldn't be here like the Oilers are right now, they're looking at adding guys like Panarin if they can work it or Stone from Ottawa if they can work it. Panarin's dream to play in Winnipeg. They got the... Uh- <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want to be in Columbus because I want to be in a nice climate with a beautiful open look at the water. Ends up in Winnipeg. They don't even have an airport. Maybe maybe Panarin doesn't like airports. So Winnipeg would be perfect uh, for him. Yeah, that- <laughs> He's just terrified of flying. So there's nothing more calming to him than a four-hour bus ride in from Fargo, North Dakota. I'm just saying. I'm just guessing. I could be wrong. But I could be right. I bet you're right. Another thing I want to bring up, uh, I guess we're going back into the sewers, back into the mud, which is where Oilers fans live these days, is Brandon Manning cleared waivers. That is shock horse. Brandon Manning cleared waivers this week. Uh, they need to clear some more space for the return of Andre Sequeira. So they got Talbot out. That cleared some space. Send Manning down. That cleared another million bucks or so. How many of us were praying so fucking hard that somebody... <laughs> anybody was going to take Brandon Manning. Oh, there, man. was, there, there was, there was a rumor Vancouver was. Gonna yeah. Go. There was somebody in Vancouver had started up, had started up a campaign to get him. And I was just, I was, I was doing my best to act like I was devastated that this was happening, <laughs> but it just didn't bite. It just didn't work. See, it would have been, I think it would have been a really cool thing if right after he injured McDavid in 2015, if Chirelli got on the phone, acquired him and waved him immediately stashed him in the minors and really really <laughs> fucked him but you waited oh, that four years to do it and, and he scouted him effect really wore off yeah. well it goes back him. it goes back to the thing that we heard right after the trade where Shirelli actually wanted to acquire Manning last year and the coaching staff killed it and said no we're not going to play him so don't do it and then now Todd's gone and he's like wow Todd can't ruin my fun anymore here comes Brandon Manning for Drake Kajula who's now playing on the first line in Chicago with Taves and Kane when we look back on this time, are we going to look back at Todd McClellan as like a Glenn Sather type where he, he saved us from really going off the rails by, by not playing Bouchard, by not playing Manning? All well, he things? also apparently talked Chirelli about trading Nugent Hopkins because there was a discussion oh. about a Nugent Hopkins for like Matt Dumba deal. Like how, how much worse could this Todd's an innocent angel in all of this. Yeah. Honestly, we brought in the devil himself who has pushed this organization back five to seven years. Uh, he, you look at Dusty's lines. They're, honestly, it should have a stamp that just says Chia right on it. It's shameful. I'm so embarrassed. And like the fact that we've been complaining about Chirelli's trades for years and then he make he continues to make bad trades over and over again. And fire head coaches over and over. So we just handed Chicago Drake Kajula, who now has six points in three games. And a draft pick. They built the, New- he built the New York Islanders. Like... <laughs> If, 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 like, how much easier did Chirelli make Tavares leaving? It's like, oh, fuck, we lost John Tavares. Oh, well, at least we have Matt Barzal and Anthony Beauvillier and Jordan Eberle. Fuck it. We can still be a pretty good team. Yep. And now they're first in the division. Thanks, Pete, again. As I said earlier in the podcast, please enjoy your paychecks from the Edmonton Oilers for the next year and a half. <laughs> do we, you, we had mentioned it upstairs, but do we bring back Tom McClellan this summer? Yeah, actually, you know what? Rick floated the idea. Well, Since he's, he's already paid. on the payroll, <laughs> oh, we just man. like send out a feeler to him in the summer. Nah, like, hey, hey Todd, oh, you want to come on back? Like, I mean, you still got a year left on your contract, buddy. We need you. He's not on our payroll. He's on Kate's payroll. So I don't, I don't care if Kate signs more than one coach. 
He was bringing all the coaches. Well, how many coaches is he paying right now? Like he's going to be paying all those assistants and they got like five new assistants this year. They're going to get new assistants next year. There's going to be a new GM. (laughs) I assume they're still paying the assistants that they let go from the summer. And Cates is also paying every 80s oiler like some kind of like some kind of like fee. I don't know what it is if they're involved in the organization, but he is mailing money to random guys that played on those 80s teams. So I like it. I like the idea of instead of going to find a new coach, having to go through the whole search, we just make Todd come back because he's already being paid. Like they just make Todd the GM. If somebody says, hey, Edmonton Oilers, we'd like to speak to you about hiring Todd McClellan. They're like, no, motherfuckers. He's coming back to coach us next year. New GM wants him back. And then all of a sudden, Todd and his sharp looking suits are back. And I'd be happy to see him. I think he got a raw end of the deal. So do we think now in hindsight, knowing what we know now that the Oilers made the wrong decision firing him? Yeah. It's, I mean, it wasn't. It was, But it was always going to play out that way, right? It's always going to be the coach first. Nobody, well, even the fact that they fired Jarelli mid-season is kind of rare because you don't see that often. It was a preventative thing. I, and that's another thing too. I like the people that are like, well, see, they fired Jarelli and nothing changed. Well, yeah, he didn't take his <laughs> fucking roster with him, did he? You're just mitigating him from doing more fuck shit because as time was going along, looking at Spooner, looking at Koskinen's contract, looking at Manning, good God, what, what, what would have he done at the deadline? What would have the first oh round pick God. been dealt for? Well, and you think of a guy like Todd too, like, we're talking about the things that he saved us with like Evan Bouchard. There was that rumor that came out that Shirelli wanted Bouchard on the team all season. And Todd's like, I'm just not going to play him. So then they send him back to London as they should have, even though he didn't play the nine games, but you know, we're, we're at where we're at. It really begs like, I don't know for other fans to continue to look at the coach. And there is people that just blame the coach for all these, these things. We know we're, we're talking about the, the McBlender still existing and that kind of thing, not necessarily blaming him, but, but, We've we've run the gambit of some pretty good head coaches in the last ten years, and and none of them have been able to piece anything together with what the GM has put in front of them. And it's just you know like Todd McClellan, pretty damn good head coach. Ken Hitchcock, top five all time head coach wins, and and they can't do anything with what they've been given. But Dan, I- it's, Dan, it's almost like when you give somebody three nails and a handful of jelly beans and you ask him to build a house that is not going to work out very well. Well, if anything, what that did was prove to everybody and Daryl Cates and all upper management that it is the roster and not the coach. Like at the time I was, I loved Todd McCollum, but I was okay with seeing him go because I knew we needed a change in the dressing room. And then they went on that heater with uh, Hitchcock when he oh, first yeah, came then, on where they were like nine and two or whatever. Exactly. Like, well, maybe it was Todd. I don't know. And maybe the it was. bomb injury happened and it was just like, yeah, like obviously out. now, we would go back and not fire Todd McClellan, but at the time, I was cool with it. What we would do is we'd go back in time and never fire Wreck-It Ralph Kruger, who was the guy who or was... Tom Reddy before him. Well, I was just going to say, yeah, we've gone through Pat Quinn, Tom Reddy, Todd Nelson, Ralph Kruger, Ken Hitchcock, and Todd McClellan. And we had a little Mac T cameo in there, little too. A little Mac T cameo. Like, these are all guys that, you know, have gone on the to best either one from or that have group, been man, successful. I'm, I'm telling you, the best one, they missed out when they got rid of Wreck-It Ralph because he 100%. was getting a lot of the yak. He was getting a lot of the jolts. Everybody on the Oilers was killing it that year. Yep. Wreck it, Ralph. And I think now, too, I think we've talked about this before, even the George LaRock interview where they mentioned a different style of coaching. I think with a younger player, Ralph Kruger was really good because he was more positive reinforcement. Uh, let's look at the good things that you did today. He could validate of, those millennials. Exactly. Just like you have to do with me and Chris upstairs. You know exactly. that sometimes you need to like hold us in your arms and cradle us and say we're doing a good job. Sometimes you get upset and I rub your tummy until you fall asleep. It's nice. <laughs> It's really nice. Millennials in the workplace, man. Mm-hmm. That's, just, that's just life. One thing I want to ask you guys, though, is since it's been such a weird year in Edmonton, what is your opinion on 
things like bloggers or fans or media quickly changing their opinion on things that we all saw as being very obvious for two years. I've been on the, and I don't want to say that I'm right, even though I was right. I've been on the fire Shirelli train for two years. As soon as they traded Eberle for Strom and then they bought out Pouliot needlessly and then they just kept downgrading their skill, I said he had to go. And I know, I know Cam, you were upset about the Griffin Reinhardt trade, which is fine. We're, I was blinded by McDavid Day. I'll own that. But what do you think about people quickly changing their tune as if, oh, well, Shirelli was a big problem, you, even though they were defending him until the very last day he was here? You want to hear something funny? I tweeted... Uh... You tweeted on the, uh, didn't you tweet? Um, oh yeah, it no, was no, no. after the playoff run when he was um, when he got nominated for GM of the year. Oh, hundred percent. I I I want. I thought uh, Peter Trelli was the best GM on the planet, and I will fully back that up. At the time, obviously, it didn't work out. That like put that. us all. That playoff run put us all into a weird yeah. headspace. Like it's hard to deny anything that's going on when the team is doing that. Right? That was just, that There's, was the booze. That's that was, just that was, that was all the booze. Though. It was warm. It was there was a lot of liquor. We're having a lot of booze. fun. Yeah. So people people online just love to. I don't know if it's just they're they're going with emotion, but they love to change their opinions on things i tweeted uh in the other game saying that friendly reminder that we let jordan osterley walk uh and someone tweeted at me and said that he was complaining that we let justin schultz go too and i'm like don't do that like everybody in this city no, wanted justin schultz. yeah everyone in this city wanted justin schultz gone don't pretend like we made a bad mistake by doing it a like, good it's- portion wanted justin just to be played in the proper role. Yeah. That was the thing with Schultz. And they kept putting him where he was in over his head and he couldn't keep up. And I get that. We don't, we, we as humans don't like to be wrong. And, and, and it's hard for us to look back and be like, you know what? I did think that Taylor Hall needed to be traded. And I was happy with Adam Larson as a defenseman in return for that. But I think the thing that kind of gets lost uh, to your, to your comment there, bag milk about blogs versus mainstream versus the fans is that, the mainstream media has to maintain a relationship with the Oilers. So if they're if they're going too hard on on Shirelli, their their information may dry up. And that's and whether that's right or wrong, I think that you have you have to understand that and and, and look at that with a with a with that, a grain of salt. He was overly sensitive to begin with. He was a, he was not a GM who who liked to talk anyways. He always hid. So yeah, it t- probably took a lot of like uh, extra pats on the back and ass taps to you know bring him out and have a conversation. One of the things that gets me the most is how many people tried to yell and scream and chase Drake out of the league. Say he's not a player. Say he's this that the other thing. And some people on Twitter they try to put it into like a hockey like. He's not a perfect player. He makes these mistakes. Well, he's a $1.5 million player who you can put up in the top six for a little bit, who can play in your bottom six, who can bring energy, who can do all sorts of little things. Other guys out there have some sort of weird vendetta against him. You know, he did this in nightclubs and bars and blah, 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 blah. And that's why he should not be in an NHL. That, how much would he help the team right now? Just to get, you know what, just let him play the left side with Connor and, you know, you can flip around just a little, that small addition would allow us to be in a little bit. I mean, he's not going to put 20 points on the board for us, but it's going to help things just a little bit. Like him and Strom were just like two thirds of a nice third line. Just, yeah. they, they already had like a lot of the, the infrastructure of what they needed just right there. 
It's funny when you guys brought up the Justin Schultz trade. Um, so I quickly looked at the trade article I wrote the day it happened. And because I was curious what I what I said at the time. And I thought this was interesting because it ended up being true. I honestly feel torn when it comes to this trade. Yes, Justin Schultz has been awful, but I can't help but wonder how and if his development has been severely hampered by this organization. The player should always take a, his fair share of the blame for playing poorly, but I still wonder if his handling since he was signed prohibited Schultz from living up to his potential. Justin Schultz was never sheltered on the third pairing with guidance from a veteran defender. He was expected to be the guy from day one, and it was simply unrealistic. But how many times have we heard that story in Edmonton, regardless of who the prospect is? It's not just Justin well, Schultz. The, We're talking about Jess, Jesse uh, Pugliarvi yeah. today. We're talking about Jesse Pugliarvi today, and it's the exact same thing. The agitating thing is they've always had the infrastructure there to do things properly. Like you had, um, like they had like like Jeff Petrie, for example, and they played him, and they're like, oh, well, we'd rather have Schultz playing a bunch of minutes, so we'll get rid of Jeff Petrie for nothing. And then they have Schultz playing a bunch of minutes and over his head, and they're like, oh, it's time for the next guy. And it's like, why don't you just like take it slowly with these guys? It's and it's been a problem since that. I, even going back before Petrie, they traded Tom Gilbert because now they had Jeff Petrie. And then they traded Jeff Petrie because they had Justin Schultz and they traded Justin Schultz. And now they've got bomb nurse, whoever. Now they're looking for that righty puck mover where they're trying to crowbar Bouchard into being that role. Bouchard easily could have been the guy. It's like, Oh yeah, we're going to shoehorn Bouchard in here to fill a role. And it's like, we already had those guys filling those roles, but you got rid of them for nothing. Again. Thank you, Todd McClellan. You may never hear this Todd, but not only do I appreciate your suits and haircuts, but the way you stood up to Pete for what's right. Todd, if you ever want to come on the podcast, (laughs) <laughs> Shoot us a I'm uh, sure that NDA is a mile thick. <laughs> that NDA that he has signed is a mile thick. I want to go ahead and thank our friends at Get Sauced. As always, go check them out at GetSauced.com. They've got the spice of life that will improve your mouth feelings and make you feel like a better human being, Chris. I've got some meatballs for lunch today. You're going to be excited about that. No sauce on them because I thought I'd uh, use the Get Sauce we have in the fridge. I had myself some uh, chicken pot pie today. Put yeah. a little El Diablo on there. Nice. Nice little touch of spice. Nice little touch of spice. I read on their Wikipedia page that the Spice Girls were actually named after Get Sauced Spice. I've also heard that. I believe that to be true. Don't fact check that. (laughs) As I'm Googling. (laughs) Going back to Pooley RV, Gregor just tweeted out something interesting. Uh, he says, final note on Jesse Pugliarvi, he's getting a second opinion because first diagnosis included surgery. He isn't getting second opinion to delay things or stay off the AHL roster. He is getting it because <laughs> surgery is a big deal and many players get a second opinion. This is a huge fake out by Jesse. Wow. Like I said, man, if you are faking an injury and you're willing to go through surgery, then God bless you, because that is the long con that I don't know if I'd be committed enough to that bit. It feels like Gregor is sitting. uh, Yeah, he's he's sitting in on this podcast, giving his opinion because he's tweeting exactly what we're talking about. I think there's a chance that Gregor might have read my post that I put up on ON in which I was speculating a handful of conspiracy theories. I just like to get the wheel turning. I like to think out loud. Another thing that's going on, boys, is I am very happy to report, Dan tweeted out, he put it on Instagram, our Vegas trip for the St. Patrick's Day weekend is sold out. What a response by the nation. Ridiculous. It is ridiculous that we could well be out of the playoffs. it's it's ridiculous that we have a fan base we have a community built around this team that has been so bad but they're like you know what this is going to be a hell of a trip 
I want to be a part of it because no matter what happens, just like we saw in our Calgary trips, and we're doing another one of those in April, by the way, we're going to have a great time no matter what. And it's going to be a great weekend filled with some nation citizens. We're all going to be down there. We're all going to have like ridiculous shenanigans that we're pulling. We were talking about upstairs at the content table about how if you get snapped a picture of you without a beer in your hand on the strip that you have to do something. We haven't figured out what that something is. Drink a beer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. We go for the high score. You know what? I was actually thinking about that bet too. I think that my plan, my play on this bet is just to walk around with one of those like two liter guitar drinks always. <laughs> yeah. Cause you can get them now that they, uh, Vegas sells them with a rope that you can attach around your And neck. that's what I'm saying. Like yep. you will never catch me if I've always got a drink. I want to get neck. like a belt that I can wear around duff my bag. waist. Yeah. Your duff has, uh, yeah, exactly. Like just the beers in the side, kind of like we pull them out like guns and toss them to people like crack open a cold one with me. Belt guy. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody asked on our Instagram if we were going to be trying to find a donair down in donair, a donair <laughs> down Dan's, in Vegas. Uh, yeah, Dan's, weekly, like, Dan's weekly voice puberty, crack. Yeah. Puberty is tough, guys. You guys are going through yeah, puberty. We'll do a donair because right? I did a donair. Well, it wasn't a donair. It was a, it was a, it was a chicken hero in New York City. I called it a donair though, but I'll do, a, I'll look for something of the, of the sort in Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. We can try and find something for sure. We'll, uh. We'll be doing all kinds of stuff. So if you're down in Vegas at that time, we'll have a lot of us probably be spending some time, maybe a hot tub. We've also had a few people ask us what our itinerary will look like because they're going to Vegas, not on our trip, but just to watch the games. And we will be releasing that. We'll be watching um, if we're going to any bar, we'll be putting it out on our socials so you guys can come hang out. So it's great news. Thank you again so, so much for everybody that booked to come with us. It's going to be a great weekend. I've never been to Vegas on St. Patrick's Day weekend. I am assuming it is going to be bananas. I am prepping my liver already. A lot of cranberry juice down the hatch. Clear those things out so that they are ready. <laughs> I may not have a playoff run this year, but Gord damn it, I'm going to drink my face off in Vegas. Do they that sell, is a promise. Do they sell beets in Vegas? Oh, God damn it, Dan. <laughs> we have two games. We have two games that weekend. God. Oh, man, room service is like, I'm going to need some beets, but like, can you leave them in the can? <laughs> so that Evan can open them again? Yeah. Yeah, Evan murdering hey, things where, in my room. Where is Evan? Evan's gone. Evan and missing for Evan dead days. Not Evan, answering our texts. The last time I talked to Evan, he said that since <laughs> so one thing about Evan that he's discovered this year, having spent time with me, that I've I've pointed out that he has a receding hairline, which as you guys know, I have myself. So I pointed it out to him. I was like, <laughs> Evan, this is what you have going on in your head is much like what I had going on in my head when I was your age. <laughs> now when you turn 25 like me there's a pretty good chance you're going to be largely bald and that really stressed him out he was having dreams where he woke up with a completely bald head and a cul-de-sac this is all completely true this like, is 100 percent true like i'm not joking and yeah like he yeah he, he has the uh he's got the receding hairline it's a reality but what he told me is he <laughs> found a place in south america where if you this this old lady will rub this 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 liquid this elixir on your head and then give you a kiss on the head and all your hair will come back it's a witch's brew so he is backpacking down to south america to get his hair back and that's why we haven't heard from him in days i bet it's gonna look great though he has spent all his life savings on this trip 
He has only meager savings. He's just a, he just finished school. He's still a student. He had a bunch of student loan left over, so he's now spending that to go to South America to have this witch's brew rubbed on his head with a nice little kiss on the forehead from the witch doctor, whatever Cam just said. I think the financial advisors <laughs> do advise that you do that, though. You just spend all of the student loan that you have available to you. I told it's him he should apply for it. I told him he should apply for a grant. Like through schools, you can apply for a grant. For a I use mine grant. at the U of A to go to a conference. Evan, I think, could have written a really strong case to get his hair back because it'll be beneficial for his career. Because as I know, it, it, it can hold you back if you don't have a full head of hair. It's a reality. I mean, Chris makes fun of me relentlessly in the office. I'm sitting there trying to type things out. And Chris is like, where's all your hair? And I start crying and I close my laptop and I can't finish what I'm doing. We definitely hold Cam back like career moves wise wise because he uh, has a receding hairline. He wanted it to be the two minute man. But yeah, he's self-conscious, so he's like, I can only do 60 seconds, or half of that even. Um, boys, the trade deadline is coming up on Monday, so I want to go real quick around the horn to get your predictions on what moves the Edmonton Oilers are going to make. I will start. I'm going to say Alex Chason is going to be gone for a third-round pick. There has been talk of a second-round pick. I'm going to say it's a third. I'm also going to say that that is it. That is it. They're going to try to move Petrovic, but they will not. And we're all going to laugh about it because they didn't get anything for him despite his expiring contract. Dan, your thoughts? I'm going to conflict you on that one. I think that Petrovic gets dealt for a sixth round pick. <laughs> and that's wow. and that's the big move of the day. And you know what? They'd be okay. I'd be okay with that move. I think uh, the Oilers are going to try to make a push for the playoffs. I don't think they... Um... They can go another uh, off season without any playoffs, and they know the city needs one badly. So I think they're going to do what they can. Um, I I have always said that I thought Puliyarvi was going to get moved at the deadline. Don't know where I sit on that opinion now with his injury, um, but I think they're going to go big. I think we're going to see Chiazon and Matt Benning go out the door, and I think I don't know how it's going to happen, but I think the Oilers are going to acquire Tyler Toffoli. Really random prediction, but he's got another year on his deal. It makes some sense. That would be a nice addition for the playoff run. I, too, agree with Chris. I think there's still uh, an opportunity to make these playoffs, not because of anything else than just this whole race is not very great, and we're only, what, six points out with a game in hand. Beat Anaheim tomorrow, and it's... Uh... Exactly. Honestly, it's not, the, it's not impossible to believe that we can somehow get in there. Uh, at the end of the day, I think we're going to move a contract plus a prospect, so like a not great contract plus a prospect for somebody coming back with a little bit of term, two-year, maybe three-year uh, forward who can play in the top six. Tyler Tavoli. <laughs> Boys, we're going to wrap this podcast up. I've been waiting for 56 minutes to talk about the Connor McDavid uh, headshot hearing, which was held this morning. Hitchcock, probably, what, two, three hours ago, said that he's already had the hearing. There's been no news released. I've been refreshing Twitter like crazy to see what's happening to see if there's anything that's come out and watch as soon as we press stop record that's when it's going to come out but so far there's been nothing so when you listen to this podcast just know I waited for 56 and a half minutes to try and figure out what was going on with Connor McDavid boys around the horn real quick does Connor McDavid get suspended I'm going to say he gets one game though I don't think he should I agree Bob McKenzie said one or he thought he's gonna get a game so I think he's gonna get a game Chris uh, I'm going fine. No suspension. I'm going fine. I think uh, Keith talked the league out of 
Fine, no suspension. I agree with that little blurb we saw from Keith Gretzky. He pointed things out. Plus, there's a lot of other uh, examples out there of guys making worse plays and getting nothing. And it's Connor. He deserves the benefit of the doubt. So real quick, Rick brought up Keith Gretzky's comments, and I thought they were interesting because I don't know if we ever heard Shirelli aggressively going at the league to defend a player like this, but I appreciate Keith for doing it. So Keith Gretzky said, the way Connor plays, he's a smart player who steals pucks. If you look at it, the defenseman Letty stumbled with the puck a little bit. Connor didn't skate into him or take a stride. He adapted when he saw Letty stumble. He tried to get the puck, and even when they made contact, he lifted his left leg to get out of the way to avoid the collision. And my personal ad is he didn't extend the elbow. Letty was mid-shot, so his head was a little bit lower than it normally is. Incidental. Keith Gretzky, attorney at law. I like it. Uh, Lastly, nobody got anything done in the Lucic gold draft this week. Especially Chris. Chris. Wrapped up Chris Week with absolutely nothing. You're going to have to get that tattoo. What tattoo? Absolutely Chris, nothing. We agreed Chris is getting a tattoo. Chris, a tattoo couple of weeks ago, from? we talked about doing a Windicat with Chris, and he was so confident in his run of five games here in February that he said, no, I don't want any part of this. You guys are all Bush League people, <laughs> and I want no part of your shenanigans. And now Chris has got the same amount of games left as Rick. And Chris That's has rough. zero goals. Cam is still leading 3-1. I've got a run coming up in March that I feel good about. I'm still open to a Windicate. I'm still open to it, despite I have... But you don't want Chris in there. No, Chris is now out of my Windicate. Yeah, so you I'm, could do a you, Rick, and Dan one with Chris. Me with my one goal, I'm still open Chris to it Chris can as well. float away forever. So maybe himself. for next week, we are going to talk about a Windicate between Dan, myself, and Rick how we can catch up to Cam with his three goals. He seems to be running away with this thing. I was wrong. We'll I'll see what happens. It. I'm eating my words now, and I don't want to be a part of your Windicate. I didn't <laughs> want to then. Okay, I don't you want weren't to available. Now. Cut his mic off. Jared, Jared, please. I want to go ahead, and I want to thank our friends at Get Sauced and Sherwood Ford the Giant for making this all possible. I want to thank all of you for listening. I want to ask you all to share with a friend, tell a coworker, tell a cousin, tell your family to listen to Oilers Nation Radio. Find it wherever you get your podcasts done. Shout out, Damien. Best wishes. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowlin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowlin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlinBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.